Are you rolling too? Yeah. Hey, let me see, actually. Yeah. Awesome. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Pleasant Evenings Talks Gundam. Right. Oh, what are we called? Um, I guess this one is going to be called... So we started out with uh, Mobile Suit Book Club, followed by Mobile Suit Zeta Book Club. This one is Mobile Suit the Navalization Book Club. I was trying to I was trying to see like where it would fit, but it's just like a lot of just like single words. The book the the best I could think of was the book clubization. Book clubization. <laughs> uh, Mobile Suit Book Club. Awakening, <laughs> Escalation, and what was, dang it, what was the third one called? Uh, awakening, Escalation, and... Confrontation. Um, yeah, classic uh, podcaster preparedness. I can't think right now of the specific phrases. I could find them, but like this... Um, multi-volume approach to publishing this novel, I thought really worked for it. We'll we'll go back to a more structured take on it. But every time a volume ended, it ended on like some like auspicious quote from a character. I was like, oh, I can't like every time. I was like, oh, I can't wait to jump into the next one. Yeah, that's true. Def- definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that um that the arcs were so cleanly divided, even though they stayed in space. The entire time yeah uh, overall i think it was like um even that the even the movies being you know being streamlined they didn't have such a clear well i guess because it was a streamlined version of a tv show that operates under different rhythms it was going to be limited so never mind but like it was cool seeing how given the space to breathe and like make the book from scratch just like having the baseline of the the world and the characters there was a a very consistent a very consistently like engaging rising and falling action throughout the uh, the novels like overall like i feel like even watching zeta sometimes something would happen like another encounter would happen be like well i guess i need to have one for this episode or in the movies i'd have like a fight like well i it, we were due for a fight. I feel like in the novels, the 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 story wasn't about each fight. Although the fights I thought were also very engaging. It felt like it was. It had more to do with developing. I don't know, like Amaro's sense as a soldier and Char's like a, a place in the Zeon organization. Felt like there was like progression, like things are moving forward for each character individually, instead of just like a series of pickles and a series of escapes <laughs> from the pickle. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, I thought this one gave far more depth in, into the context and the politics mm-hmm. of of the Earth Federation and the sides leading up to the one-year war yeah it was very welcome it was a great companion to to the original string of movies that we saw um i wonder how it would read if i didn't have any sense of like what the characters looked like or the overall i don't know like tone communicated because because like those info dumps like if i was reading it uh, what am I trying to say? Like those info dumps to me, like were welcome because you had that background already. Yeah, and I'd watch the show thinking, like, I'd love to hear more about that. And so, like, the info dump would come, and already being familiar with the show, um, is being like happy to like get a peek at the other side. If I was just reading it, I think that would like really mess with the flow for me, because like, how many times do we need to hear someone explain how? Um, Zeon Zumdaikun felt about the new types. Like, I feel like we have that explained like six different times spread throughout these novels. 
Yeah, but then, then six other times we, we had entirely different explanations of, uh, <laughs> of of new types. Are are they super soldiers with psychic powers and like espers, or are they not? Yeah, the, the the reveal ultimately, I think that's interesting because yeah, like Xeon is like, or I guess I'll call him Daikun because Xeon is that's confusing. I'll call him a Daikun or Zoom Daikun. Zoom. ZZD. Zoom. I like Zoom. Zoom. <laughs> Zoom. Yeah, yeah, Zoom's good. Um, you know, he's a character we only hear about and who's very meaningful to... is very meaningful to different characters for different ends. So, like, it's interesting how, you know, like, for Sela, like, oh, Zoom said this means something different than for for Char. And, you know, like, the whole thing about how... Yeah, I think he used to be called Degwin, but in the book they call him something else. I thought it was Degwin. It's still Degwin? I didn't notice any name changes. Besides, like, Char is Shah, and Kisilia is Krishia. Krish- Krishia, at least in my book. Oh, so my, my book was the 2004 edition where, where they, they unified the translations. Oh, okay. I had. I think I read an earlier one, so all the names were remixed. Oh, and your version is the the white base. The the because mine it was kind of flipped, where instead of being a Pegasus class ship called White Base, it was a white black white base class ship called the Pegasus. Yeah, my my was also flipped from from the anime. They they had kept that. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder which is preferred. Because in, uh, in Zeta, the way they talk about it is, um, oh, you were on White Base. Oh, Command- Captain Bright, you were on White Base. Or the famous hero of White Base. Or not. I, I think for the anime, we're, we're going to see White Base for the name of the ship more consistently. Yeah. It, it doesn't, like, matter too much, especially, you know, having, you know, especially, like, knowing, knowing now that the, that the novel is a drastically different canon. <laughs> Okay, well, Nancy's over overrated, anyways. Um, we had a completely different canon. Yeah, uh, we, uh, yeah, we should touch on that later. Because um, I yeah, like that ending. Uh, we're definitely gonna have to like talk about. Oh, for sure. The different. For sure. So yeah, so Degwin then, like he he had to use Zoom's memory to help consolidate his power, and damn, I just read I just read this. <laughs> I've seen the story twice and already forgetting all the names. Um, what's the name of the guy who's really in charge of the zombies? Oh, that kiddo. Um, second Hitler. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> that was... Oh, God. Uh, that was so funny how, like, like every scene with him, he's, like, still like, ah, oh, damn, he called me Hitler. That sucks. I'll show you. Like, in the movie, it was one scene... <laughs> And he says, I'm Hitler. <laughs> Maybe sing a different tune once I shoot this giant laser at everyone and kill it. even more people. He thinks I'm Hitler. <laughs> Would Hitler create a master race uh, of Superman? I don't think so. Gearin. Gearin? Oh, oh Gearin. yeah. Yeah, Gearin. And in my book, his name was Gren. Gren. See, that's part. Of, that's part of why I got mixed up. It did, you know, like everything. I had to relearn all the names a little bit. Is Amaro still Amaro? Yeah, Amaro still Amaro. Char is Shah. That works for him. I wasn't sure. I think like my version was also kind of weird. Where it, it looks, it feels like they scan. They don't know. Like they it feels like they digitized like a physical copy, and then like. Like so, sometimes the first time Hitler came up, for example, it was written as Flitler. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, I had the occasional weird typo like that. Like secrets was zeros or something. Like just mm-hmm. random tidbits of typo code, and sometimes spacing would break weird. Yeah, right. Yeah, there'd be like a paragraph break in the middle of a sentence. I'm gonna assume the physical editions didn't have that. Right. I I did consider getting that, those physical editions. As this thing goes on, I'm going to amass a Gundam library of sorts. So I'll have a corner for Gundam. I it's a it's a world I enjoy being in. 
even, you know, it does things I disagree with uh, on occasion, but it's still like it comes together. There's a there's a soul to it. As I mean, as as a whole, I, you know, I, I have positive takeaways from it, even with the stuff that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. So like, I think like the main uh, obstacle for people getting into Gundam is going to be like the early stuff is kind of dated and whatever the the pacing's kind of clunky by modern standards or whatever. But that's something that you know that one can get used to. The other obstacle, of course, is the sex politics. They go in weird places, but even then, I feel like it's not like reactionary. It's just very idios- idiosyncratic. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. It's, I mean, it's, it's clearly where um, mainstream culture was during what nineteen seventy nine. Not not to excuse not, not to excuse it at, at, at all. I, I I don't intend that, and definitely makes it hard for me to enjoy. But I, I I'm not something about his politics seem a little weird though. Like some of the stuff that happens or that he's that Tomino says feel like. Only he could have come up with those sentences. Yeah. It's not like he thinks that women are inherently weak or something. Like, he thinks they have a strange kind of power, but it's... I mean, he... I don't think he can write a female character at, at all. And, and then layer, <laughs> layer that on with, with some of those... Some of his views. It, 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 um, it's a noticeable flaw, for sure. Yeah. I'll say once... I don't think this they reflects on his politics... Um, it's just like a weird thing that happens near the end where Giren, almost Gren in my version, he's like kind of celebrating after he thinks like he completed, like after he thinks like he pulled off his master plan and, you know, he's got his hand over his secretary's breast and then the secretary who I guess is a new type is like, oh, Cecilia's here and then like that and then it says like and it shocked him so much his teacup rattled so suddenly Tomino makes me picture this guy like in sexual embrace with a woman but also like holding a teacup on his, on his other hand it's <laughs> <laughs> just like um I yeah, like who knows where I guess like in his head he, they were drinking tea and then it explains like it's a normal thing to drink tea but then just sex just comes into the picture, which in some ways is uh, refreshing. It makes sense for like, you know, young people in stressful, you know, in high stakes situations to find a lot of, you know, meaning or relief or safety in sexual encounter. It makes sense that you have people of different, you know, who are young, dumb, full of cum to... <laughs> You know, to react, you know, to act accordingly. Right. Yeah, but it it always seems to. What do you think it meant when? Oh, we, I don't know if we should um go into more structure. I'm just remembering. I'm just remembering like different scenes. So in this version, he doesn't. Uh, Amaro, like Amaro and White Base, never go to Earth. Like their whole journey is a little more streamlined, a little. So he never gets the encounter with his mother. He gets like some flashbacks and like a dream sequence where his mom is where he walks in on his mom with another man and the mom is just like, get out of here. And she's naked and she's got a red cross armband. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> new, new type of Billy's going down to earth. I don't, it's Freudian for sure. I don't know. Maybe. Tommy's intentions were, were sticking some Freudian stuff because, oh, new types in psychology, it, it, it fits together. Right. It's something, yeah. It's a, if you're a new type, they're just like, you're just like more, more sensitive. And there's a, you know, there's a psychoanalysis angle too, where it's really cool, like watching these characters try to puzzle out what being a new type means. They're saying, like, um, you know, maybe it's not necessarily about, empathy or being able to access the feelings of others but in being able to understand yourself and having that self-understanding you could really understand others from that point if you're that secure yeah and like i guess i go and coming together like it's also i think it's sayla who's thinking that with her and is either sayla or 
Um, I think it was Sale that take this other new type that was. It was one of yeah, it was one of Amaro's potential girlfriends. It might have been uh, the that new type that um, Cusco that Cusco yeah might have been her I can't remember it was one or the other but um, what yeah one of them was they were thinking like well uh, with that with the experience or the confusion you know that my relationship with Amaro has provided is hopefully it's given him more tools to understand himself. I guess that ties into the also the sex stuff. Definitely, you know, sex is also Freud, of course. You know, Amaro's like, you know, he's like coming of age. And it's interesting how Tomin was like very, very clear. Like part of his coming of age, like part of him being a complete person is uh, <laughs> becoming a man in the most like, you know, stereotypical way. But, you know, it is like, it is like having, it is exploring this like sexual side of himself as well. Maybe it's a little too, like, straightforward. Was like, well, now that he's done sex, he's a little bit more of a man. Like, the two things he needed was sex and approval from some kind of father figure guy. And now he's self-actualized? Yeah, now he's self-actualized. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the sex stuff isn't mm-hmm. bad on, on its own. I don't know. I, I think the one part that was super, super cringe with that, it never went as far as Zeta, you're, you're right, but the one part that made me cringe was the uh the the amulets part oof oh man that (laughs) that was wow that could you could that would not be on tv that was like well this is a different media there are different roles here that was hard though because because it it took a coming of age like arc and it's like okay yes but it's it's in this boys club ultimately yeah, that's a great that's a great way to put it. Where yeah, it's the only the only like um relationship or like sex adjacent thing that I that is like unimpeachable probably is in the in the novels is maybe like Mirai's relationship with Bright. Like Mirai actually came out really good in this in these novels, I think. Yeah, I think so. Bright a little less so. Yeah, Brian, he said something from the get-go that was very sexist. Like, oh, why, 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 why did she have to say this thing now? Come on. Right, and going back to um, the amulets, <laughs> they like they make a so okay. So for the people who are simply listening to this podcast and they haven't read the book, um, Tomino did left a special surprise for the people that wanted to go read the book. Apparently, in the world of Gundam, it became normal. Not only normal, essential for pilots to carry a special trophy from their beloveds where they would carry around an offering of their lover's pubic hair. And that's and these are called amulets. I, I wanna I wanna preface, like that that concept that's that's fine on, on its own. I mean there's an element of realism there. I'm sure I'm sure that was the case in Yeah, maybe. Global conflicts, but yeah, I'm sure, like, maybe there's, like, a Celtic tribe that had, like, some kind of thing like that. No, I, I thought it was as recent as World War II pilots. Oh, you think? Yeah, I think so. You must have gotten it from somewhere, I guess. Um, where, where I personally have issue is they found out that Armoro did not get one from, um, from Sela, and, and it, for me, it escalated into quite a um yeah they stayed on that topic for a while it became an issue yeah, it was like workplace harassment <laughs> yeah and okay yeah going back to how bright doesn't come out so well um they wanna they it's about what's well, the one they're about to it's in the final mission they're about to like make another push forward and before they go out they find out about this like we request like 10 minutes we request for Amor to have 10 minutes with Sela, and like they say, like Sayla didn't give Amuro an amulet, and Bright is like, "Oh, really? I guess she fucked up again." Yeah. You have ten minutes. Why are they so mean to Sayla? Yeah, it became this whole thing. Like, if this was a sh- if there was an episode in the show, it would be like half the runtime. Yeah, yeah, it'd be like the whole arc. 
No. <laughs> and then, but it, that opened up the window for what I'm sure Tomino meant to be like a touching thing is because maybe he's shy about it or he thinks it's like, you know, not proper. Um, he's like, oh, you know, it's not like me. It's like my friends. They say like, I have to get this amulet. Like I need... <laughs> It's for like my 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 guys. They say like I gotta have this your pubes for this. Like it's for them really. And then she's offended, of course. And later he's like, I should have asked for it for me. <laughs> Stuck on it for a while too. Like he, he had to speak over the intercom. Like by the way, I I was the one that wanted Sayla. Right, and she gives like a she gives a like a neutral swinging towards positive response. She just goes, understood. Go on. Like, I, I don't, we can move forward from this. It's fine. <laughs> um. Which is weird because it's weird because I feel like the narration, like seems to cast aspersions on Amaro's relationship to Sela. Like this, this makes me picture like a, a young Tomino, like, you know, jumping between short-lived relationships for where he's just like thinking about ex-girlfriends and it's like, but the emotional bond that I had with Lala, which wasn't the same as with Salem, I'm afraid it was just a physical thing. And then he sees her and is immediately like smitten all over again. But I feel like you have to be sure if you're going to ask for someone's pubes. I mean, if this, if this going to mean what every other pilot wants it to mean, yeah, you got to be pretty damn sure. And then, of course, when it happens, when the, the... Yeah, I'll say the biggest deviation from the original show happens and Amuro dies, Kai gets one more and is like, it's because he didn't get that amulet. Fucking Kai? <laughs> but, uh, what's the other deviation? Oh, Fra, Fra and the kids. Yeah. They they stayed on Luna too. Mm-hmm. And it feels it feels like her characterization really suffered for it. Right. Not that it's weird. Like he'll he'll um this kind of happens with um with Fa in Zeta Gundam. And like even in the original show is that like they ex- they establish this like um girl next door character. And her whole thing is to just sort of be sidelined by the main character as they discover themselves through these other relationships. At least, like, she was able to be present and at least in the original show, like, uh, uh, Frau was able to be, like, I, I don't know, have screen time. Here she was just, in the beginning... Amaro would remember her sometimes. He called her his girlfriend when he got mad at Cusco. Let me see her at the end. Mm-hmm. I miss the kids too. I mean, they, they were they were a valuable. Like, uh, they were part of the team before, and now they're just hardly ever mentioned or named. Yeah, you know, in in one sense, like because I don't think like she added much to the original show. I didn't miss it so much. I feel like the purpose of these like girl next door characters is to like establish you know their reference point to compare to track like the character's development that's fair i I mean especially in the case of camille what did that crew call it like like their uh what their playtime or whatever every every argument that camille and uh fi would have oh yeah and, and, you know, they, they would get softer and closer to each other as Camille developed. Right. You know, that was interesting because it had to do with, like, Camille's, like, commitment to the cause and his motivations for his commitment. And as those change and get deeper and more more nuanced, his, mm-hmm. you know, those arguments get way less severe. Yeah, like, com- like having Frabo to compare, like, Fi is a lot more, you know, she's given a lot more. She's kind of sidelined still, but... At least it has a thing where she's like, she like tries out being a pilot for a while, you know. Doesn't it doesn't go so well for her? But you know, at the end, like all hands on deck, she she still do it, you know. Like she still has the opportunity, mm-hmm. which is yeah. And it makes like when when it's her at the end who's 
who rescues Camille and finds him in a state that you know that tracks like that that feels like that makes sense it's like a moment of like she's the one who is who who is closest to him enough to know what he's lost right with with Fra it's I don't know um, it feels more tragic with with Fra here yeah I feel for her like was she like she she got lipstick even though that's you know not in vogue in, in the Federation military it was you know I guess like um I don't know if this tracks but uh uh Maybe maybe like it's nice to it's a good way to look at it in the opposite way where instead of Fra being a point of reference for Amaro, um, where he's just like, Who am I? Like what does she mean to me? Well, this is different from how I felt with Fra, so this gotta be something. Um you can you know, Amaro is like the thing that like centers Fra, like it's a it's a point of reference for her. That's true. As the world changes with war, she wants to still wear lipstick for him. So it's like a way of like holding on to like the life that she had before the war or before, you know, her active engagement, like her act, like her active participation or. Before Site 7 has to get involved. Yeah. It's more op- optimistic view for that character type, for sure. Yeah, but it's sad because she never had a shot with him for real. Even before he already had a crush on Sayla, he would see her at the library apparently. Yeah, yeah, the, the blondie with the books, or however Amuro would put it. <laughs> right. You know, I, yeah, I don't think that the relationship ever really went past um, attraction. And I'm not just saying that because the the narration kept saying it, but, like, really, like, what did they do besides misunderstand each other? Um, I guess, like, what, like, provide comfort or something? But that's still, like, within the realm of... I guess in the end, uh, that... Um relationship with Amuro is valuable for Sayla mm-hmm. to at least be an independent agent from uh, Kasval or Char or Shah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So in the end, I, you know, he helped boost her confidence or self-security. Right, yeah. When he's a ghost, he gets to, like, he has the most words for her. And it just took uh, the clarity of, like, final moments to to get to some kind of catharsis. At least they, they had it. Um, wow, I hate that. You know, you, you have a thought and then it's completely dropped out of your head. <laughs> uh, about um, Sayla? It was really, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, about the physical stuff. I, I'm so happy that uh-huh. Amaro still gets slapped by someone somehow and we get oh, to see Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We don't get as many. I think Camille is still the king of getting slapped, right? I he he leads in being the receiver of corporal punishment currently for sure. Camille's so king. But that's <laughs> um, what does she think for Armoro to do though? Oh, by the way, I told Char what you told me. <laughs> that was an interesting little wrinkle because. Like she said to, she said like, "Please kill Char," and then like she regretted it. She's like, "I hope that he understands." You know, maybe that's not what I meant. It's like, the, you know, my limited way of expressing. And they keep going back to that, and it's like a thought that kind of hangs over like their encounters. Yeah, I mean, it. it that's what affects our entire relationship for a while. And that really helps, you know. Yeah, no, I'm turned around on this Sila thing. There's, they do get to understand each other better, and in part, it's like when each character gets to come into themselves, like come into their own. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's some wisdom there. Like, you know, like they say, you know, you can't like, um, I'm extrapolating into like, um, you know, like kind of cliche stuff, but, um, you know, the thing like about like you know, you can't really control other people's reactions you know if you if, if you try to be a people pleaser all the time you just end up stressed and anxious right so you gotta start with like you know being yourself for others and now but oh yeah the reason i'm thinking is that the way it comes together for the final moments in the novel like i think it's so cool that like there was actual actual tension 
And not just in a battlefield way, which, uh, by the way, I feel like the fights were well, um, well narrated. Like these moments of, of like near, these near misses, like it explains like, oh, Amaro turned really tightly, um, and just barely got to cover with the shield. Like, uh, I thought that was like really cool. He, he, he um, really describes, um, the 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 spatial re- relations really really well yeah and that that's a that, like that's a sometimes read. sorry oh yeah yeah no 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 totally I I yeah spatial relations is yeah that's exactly what I was like trying to get at with that like when he's like sometimes it more it serves a purpose of me reading it and kind of glossing over it's like okay well you know talking to the book well the book knows where everything is when 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 the narration goes like he turned 150 degrees to go to the <laughs> you know i had didn't have a sense of you know exactly what that would look like overall but the important relational distances of you know below below him in reference to their point of view you know this far apart Behind, like that—that that was really well done. I agree. Here, here's how. Here's how large this uh, piece of space colony was in the darkness of space. Yeah. In relationship to. Uh, oh, that was cool too. Yeah, let's talk about this before we get into the climax stuff. I guess like we can pretend we're going somewhat in order. I I loved all these details that can't that you know are more difficult to communicate visually. Um, it would take like a more seasoned animator. Man, I don't know. I don't know what it take. But even the <laughs> stuff about how it makes sense, like you can't see much in the dark, and you know, obviously, and like Minovsky particles, you get a sense of how they affect communication and visibility. But then the fact that yeah, there's you only get like the straight rays if you're, you know, it, relative to the sun, maybe. But sometimes it's like really dark, and what helps you see is when something explodes, and suddenly there's actual visibility. Yeah. Yeah, and then like the Minovsky particle stuff, like the visibility from the cameras, you get a sense of how difficult it is to navigate, you know, a busy battlefield, and then why it's such a such a coup to be able to have um, new type abilities, or, or even just just that potential in, in your intuition yeah yeah it's really really cool really well done i wish we had seen more of that in the movies um the, i think you kind of get it uh-huh sorry the, the contrast from new type potential pilots to ones that were presented with not at all having that potential mm-hmm. um that was a cool i don't know that was a cool read as well when when the Zachary's yeah. were approaching side seven and, and it goes over like how dangerous that, that was for those pilots. Right. And at the, uh, and it was such a cool moment too, where like a lot more characters are, you know, like in the show, whether or not bright was new type was like, I, I forget whether or not they established if he had new type potential. Um, but like, uh, like when the, when the cylinder, when the system cannon goes off and does this thing and then like everyone gets a shockwave of like this like dark feeling and it cuts a different characters like when they, when the shockwave reaches them. That's a really, yeah, it's, it's really cool when you get to like, uh, zoom in on like the interiority of the characters. And their degrees of reaction. Right. Because some people are more sensitive than others. Some people are... Or I was literally mm -hmm. vomiting as a result of it, I think. Right. Yeah. That was a cool thing. Like, she managed to, like, um, hold on to her, to to the steering wheel or whatever, but she did vomit on it. Was that the first time Sayla pissed herself, or...? I think so. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> the first time. Poor sale. Anyways, um, right. But like going back to like combining all these threads of like the different relationships, th- what it means to be a new type, it all comes together. And like I feel like the most tense moment is 
like the 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 encounter where where Shaw and his cohorts try to like make a truce with Amaro and uh the not the white base cuz the Pegasus crew and like the tension there is whether or not they'll be able to bridge the you know like the the um, the empathetic gap between them right especially with this survival mode going on yeah right after that other huge thing like if maybe if amaro was less attuned you know was less developed as a new type he wouldn't be so rattled by by the death cannon to be able to respond earlier to uh what's his name Talia. charman Shar Sharia? Sharia. Yeah, like so every time he sends out a message, it just like pisses Amaro off more. He just receives it as as a he just receives the the He receives the, the how desperate the, it yeah, is. Yeah, the, the commanding desperate sentiment of hey, we have to do this. That's so interesting. Like that that feels like a great like that's like an image I might like just you know, an emotional image I might keep in my back pocket. But like that feels like it can describe a certain type of interaction that happens a lot where you might respond to like the urgency or intensity of of something before you respond to the content of the interaction and you know and you know how those qualities are you know interact with each other because like the intensity does like carry information and it, it, it can it can completely throw it way out of whack. Yeah. Even even talking face to face, yeah, the frame of reference is vital. And it's cool that 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 it's not just like an idea, but it is a part of the drama of the story, and it it's a major crux of it. And it all comes together there. And the the yeah the tragedy of Amaro doesn't realize until it's too late. But then, in, in the end, he was able to seal the deal in that last, yeah. those last seconds. Right? That's a nice little message. Like, even when it's, you know, when it feels like it's too late, it's not too late. Like, whenever you learn your lesson, you gotta... <laughs> gotta follow through. And I, I thought that was, well, that was all done. It, it was sad to see, yeah. see Armoro go, but to to see that, that information um, explosion... And be able to reach everyone. That, that that was that felt worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Did you um have you seen End of Evangelion? I have, yes. Oh yeah, so I just that my first thought was like the ending where all the different rays are visiting everyone. Yeah, it's such a it's such a cool thing jumping into this Gundam thing. Like I I don't know what Hideaki on. I know, I know he's at least watch the Gundam anime for like I know for he must have just the generation that it, he is it seems thematically so um, right complementary to each other right because the whole thing of like becoming LCL in Evangelion is like what's keeping you in your shape is your AT field which is like the absolute terror field it's just like your your fear of other people you know like becoming LCL is like the the melding the melding of the breaking of this boundary. So, you know, it, it is, you know, its own antsy take on the difficulty of many people coming together. I guess, like, Evangelion is a lot more anxious and a lot more, like, interpersonal or, you know... It, it seemed critical of it almost, in some ways. You know, that, that, in, that individuation still has to be respected or observed. Yeah, Right, like, w- yeah, when the individuation breaks down, it's apocalypse. It's a horror movie. Everyone turns into orange juice. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot more negative, whereas the way that Gundam is cynical about it is kind of political. Where, like, maybe there are new heights of interconnectivity that we can achieve. But where, where are you going to use use it to achieve? You know, what's the end goal of even that? Yeah, and, and 
it's kind of and like where we are, it's, it's going to emerge in a context and it's going to emerge in a context where uh, there are these systems that exist to use us and to, you know, create divisions or I don't know, just like serve these like limited forms of power. These old types of thinking. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not like, I'm not like a, a well-versed in theory or history enough. But I, I don't know if we talked about the parallel of the internet before. We haven't, but it, it definitely fits, doesn't it? Yeah, I just like it just came to mind, but I'm not sure like how to like what you know. I know that like I can plug in an aux cord between these two things, but I'm not sure like which port to put it. In. Weird metaphor. I'm... <laughs> um, how can I how can I say it? Um. Well, so there, there's a couple ways, right? Where we're, you know, most obviously at an individual level, like we're way more connected now than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, then it also clearly affects our relationships with authorship and readership and text and um, concepts of, of what an individual is mm-hmm. because that author reader division is so broken on the internet. Yeah. I kind of like make like bre- like vague gestures. It's the way like everything feels like so immediate and paralyzing on the internet. How you know um, how like internet affects like temporality as well, where everything sort of exists in a perpetual kind of now, at every moment. Like any Google search can they like, bring up, you know, last week's news with as much urgency as whatever happened in the last hour. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like that was that. I don't know how to connect it more than just like uh, you know, like just like finding a pun conceptually. But there's the thing where Amuro was sure that Lala was showing him the past and the future at the same time, and like there was a density of there's a density of communication information in what Amuro was projecting when he died. Yeah, it, it was all. It was super de- decentralized, all these different points at all the same time. But it still mm-hmm. came across clean, too. Yeah, I guess that's, that's like the positive way of it coming together. Like, it was just as important for Amuro to talk to uh, Sela as it was for him to visit Frau Fra in her, in her, like, in his last moments. With Sela, like, he talks to her about about like about like moving on or like coming to terms with how her relationship with Char has changed because like she still sees him as Cas Caspar Caspar <laughs> but Ca- Caspar is dead yeah there is no more Caspar it's only Shaw now yeah speaking of Char he he does very much come into his own at at the end here. I'm happy, I'm happy he got it. It's really cool. I think, like, he works a lot better in in a contained novel than in a sprawling TV show where he has to be, like, the villain. Because I feel like watching the movies, there was something Team Rocket about about Char. I, I do I do love that vibe. But, yeah, I mean, he, he, he fares better here for sure. Yeah, I guess saying like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with him being Team Rocket. Well, he, you know, he's a guy who shows up in a mask and a cape, and he's like, ah, I got you now, <laughs> and so that is really fun. You're right, uh, but um, it's more, uh, you know, but in terms of being like cool or whatever, yeah, having Char, like even when he, even when he fails, like pulling out some kind of success from it, they always like he his interactions with Amuro are more limited but each time he has one it's like well now I've got this information now I know this much more about Amuro or about the, the gun like the suit. state of the war right yeah I think it's interesting that he didn't like outright betray Garma but instead uh, we missed out on on his wonderful Th- that blame this on the circumstance of your birth <laughs> right yeah that's just, that's a shame like, we don't get to <laughs> We don't get to see like him being. That's something that we miss out of him not being Team Rocket. He doesn't get to be as much of a mustache twirling villain. But still, like he has the antihero thing of like, like he thought he was uh, like it was a good maneuver to even with his like limited 
military equipment being able to to herd the the Pegasus to where to like was it to California where he thought Garma would be able to finish them off underestimating Amaro but then when Garma dies he's like well it's a win-win for me no, no matter what either my best friend lives or I, I can't, you know Zabby's dead yeah so it's it's cool how you know it, even his failures it's like he's like failing upwards it, he's like really playing the game yeah Almost, almost that he's a, a master of this chess or, or uh, go board. Although he does have like his like stumbles, like like with Sharia dying, he's like, oh, I underestimated, or I overestimated Sharia's abilities, or I I you know I didn't take into account like the the psychic status of of, of the situation. Right. Yeah, but then he just continues to play with that hand dealt and makes it out somehow. Yeah. Um, there's something sad about speaking of the weight. Yeah, there's something sad about Lala. I don't know. How do you do? You feel? I think like it's definitely a step up, probably Lala in this one versus in the movies. But it's like it's like you get more detail, but it's you. you know, I was hoping to get more, to like the character more, but it's like you get more detail of like, maybe like the worst aspects of what Tomino feels like the role of women is. Yeah. Um, is there is there really Lala? Or. Yeah, like yeah, like Lala is like a super. Like a character who is simply important because of the feelings that the, she inspires in everyone else. I like. I guess I'm not just not a fan of this like um, you know, manic pixie new type archetype that shows up in these. I, I think is more successful than the neighborhood girlfriend. Yeah, at least like they get to like affect things. But like the like, what's the thing? They they open up like uh they open up like the romantic world of these characters because like they engage with Shine and Amaro and you know for counting four I think four is like the best of these. Um, yeah, I think I I think four is the best of them. I mean, she's definitely the most extreme and and shows how how wrong it is to use new types in that way. Right. Right. Cause like war isn't like their project at all, but because of their devotion to, to something, and they double dip with Rosamia, but like their devotion to something or to someone. Right. They kind of roll with it. And yeah, I guess like when we talk about it, I guess cool. Like I get to like, see what they're going for because Lala's not about war. Like in the end, she accepts dying because of the, Ah, you know, I talked myself right back out of it in the middle of. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, I think, I think Lala suffers in this only because Cusco ended up being more present. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe if Lala did everything Cusco did, like if after that encounter, um, you know, like maybe Amaro because of he has to be in war, he almost kills her, but she survives, and then she becomes more jaded about everything. Like maybe you know, if she had more of a journey. But I guess they wanted someone to be like this pure spirit, this delicate flower crushed by the instrument, the instrumentalizing logic of of war and technology. Right. Which she she's weaker here than she was in the movies, accomplishing that that uh that task. Because hmm. I, I I thought Cusco Al was. The, the better representation of that. Yeah. Right. I guess like Lala meant something. It, it, it felt wrong for Tomino maybe to change the character of what Lala was. But still, it's, it's nicer to, ex- to explore that type of character with someone who actually like, has like agency and opinions about things. Right. Is, is there longer than two chapters? <laughs> yeah. It's so gross, I think, whenever... like You see this in anime a lot where some character, like a woman character, is like killed by the hero. And she's like, 
I'm glad I get to be killed by such a strong man. I think that happens in Zeta as well. Um, Lala doesn't say that exactly, but she like accepts like dying because she realizes like the the no, I'm actually destined to love you, Amaro. You just weren't here first. Where were you? Um, and it's kind of weird. It happens twice where Amaro kills Lala and then uh, Cusco by plunging his sword into them. Oh, that that's a that's a. And that, that's an innuendo if I've ever heard one, yeah. And, like, that's, like, like who knows? Like, that makes me think, like, there's, like, a Freudian read. I'm not sure, like, how much is intentional. But it's, like, they have this mind meld, right? They come together. He stabs them, and they die. But he, he, he has to stab them. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, that, that uh, the, the sexuality of, of masculine war isn't isn't complete in his imagery <laughs> right yeah yeah it's like i'm sure like if you asked home like would you do you think this represents how like feminine gentleness is is destroyed by by masculine war and you're like yep that's exactly as they are the representation of feminine beauty and the, the tragedy of amuro is that he has to destroy it to become a man or something Damn, well, I, I like uh, that character type less now. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I, um, Four got to, like, do things, at least. Rosamia was too infantilized for me to so, feel comfortable okay, with her. She was way out of left field for me. I was I was very confused. <laughs> and the weird thing where she was sometimes Rosamie, I, I, I'm not sure what they were going for there. Um, Cusco, at least, like, I found her scenes... He's like I found like her sort of energy to be to be refreshing. She was a nice foil to uh, you, you know the, the male power uh, political pursuits and and um, intrigue. Yeah, she was like capable. She was like aware of everyone else. Like um, Lala, like she agrees to you know, be a weapon just, just cause Char, just cause Char. And she seems like kind of blase about it. Like, is she like, at least, um, Cusco's like aware that she's a soldier. I wonder if Cusco as an archetype fits in less with the, with the manic pixies and more with, um, the, the lady that wanted to, gas entire colonies of billions of people because she wanted to feel like a woman. What was her name? <laughs> um, Martha? No, I might... I feel it was an M. Rekoa. Rekoa was her last name. Maybe I'm off in comparing those two, but I don't know, I don't know where I was going like, with it's... that. Because Cusco does not come across to me as like... Lala or Four or Rosami, she seems to be in her own. Yeah, she feels more grounded as a woman. Like she like makes jokes and sizes people up. Right. Like sometimes she's like ahead of the curve of um, Amaro. Um, <laughs> but in the it's because uh, yeah, Amaro met her when he was too much of a virgin, so we couldn't relate to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess so. That was funny when, <laughs> like, when they meet each other again, and Amro is like, he just like, oh, I didn't even want us. <laughs> oh man! I'm stop. I'm stopping the card. I'm stopping the card. <laughs> I have a girlfriend. I can't. So that was, you know, I guess that's a weird thing where it's kind of flipped, where it, it un- until she has to be plunged I forget like the the full circumstances of of their death did they do a, some kind of mind they were having like, a cool fight where they were like shooting rockets at like you know crazy speed where it was like hard for people to watch to keep up like it felt like a, an armada like two like two fleets were fighting each other instead of just two fighters it was a good fight with, with all the uh, what do you call them the, the bits flying around and Armro invading one after the other, and yeah, the, yeah, the bit like that's a cool like 
bit of weaponry. I love how like technology can affect the plot. Like here's this cool development. Even um like if Sharia wanted to my was his name Sharia, am I getting that? Yeah. He had that um I had a stupid name. What was it? the bra the bra bro the the is a br- the bro the bra bowl bra 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 the bra but it was a neat, neat idea like it's a, it's a analog psychom you so it's not like by radio they they were so they were like wired it, right yeah yeah but that's like a great design that, that intentionally messes with the the perceptive qualities of a new type because the pressure comes from the center but the shots come from you know what is it 40 meters away not the center from 40 different directions yeah not the center yeah i think that's part of the reason why Cusco comes out different is that she gets to be capable in a way that isn't simply because of having these psychic powers like even yeah like even when four is capable, it's because she just has this fuck huge Gundam or whatever mobile suit. Like it's not like, yeah, okay, you just have the biggest one. I don't know. Congratulations. I mean, pretty good motivation to try and get all the memories back. Yeah, she's the best. She's the best expression of this. Like you know, flower with a gun. This precious. Some somehow manipulated into it wouldn't be there otherwise. Yeah, but but Cusco feels more. Cusco feels like a more integrated part of like the Zeon army, so she just she gets to occupy a different space. I I do yeah I get what you're saying that that it's she's not quite in the same league, even though eventually she she kind of serves a similar purpose. Yeah, I mean they, they do serve you know um do they do have a bit of a mind meld and it was mm-hmm. impactful though that London Bridge um. Yeah, through. and you get like a bit of backstory, like her parents, or there's like the hint, just hints of a backstory. I get the sense of like a strict parent, like no, you're playing the violin wrong. Right, but then you see their demises too with the Federation soldiers. Yeah, it's much more satisfying when they're like when they feel like more human characters. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Although I, I do, I do, I do like the trippy effects mm-hmm. of it in, in the anime. So. That's one thing for all the like added detail that I really enjoyed. Cause like, even like, yeah, like we we're saying like the fights felt, um, immediate and like you could, they, they scanned in a way that, that had a cool bit, like sense of danger. I didn't miss just like seeing, seeing the character designs or the mech designs. I'm missing the, I'm missing the explosions themselves and the giant robot fights and the rockets and the. Yeah, one thing that really added to my experience reading was that I had, um, the, I, I did two things. I listened to two different things while reading. It was, um, Brian Eno's, like, uh, Apollo 13 ambient album. You know, it's kind of like emotional, space themed yeah. background tracks. It'll give it a cool effect. Yeah, sometimes it would, like, line up really well. Um, like the piano would come in right when like the London Bridge like it was it came out right right when like there's like a neat like piano passage in that and the other thing I would listen to would be just um like Star Trek room tone <laughs> that's I love that like I think I talked about it watching Zeta Gundam I just love like for like for a long show like TV you know, not that it's bad, it's just part of its design. It relies on some kind of status quo. Like, you're going to be coming back, you know, week after week for 50 weeks. And it's because like, there's some things that you're going to want, that you're going to settle into. Yeah. And I did miss, like, the, just the constant hum. Yeah, it's like that, that, that feeling of, like, sometimes it must be nice to be in, <laughs> to be in a, at white face, I imagine. Sometimes I, just, I bet you're just like getting along with everyone. You know, you're in between battles. You're just working on, on your mechs, and he's, there's that that soft, 
bed of worrying and humming and bleeping. It'd be relaxing, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's going to be exciting to... Uh, yeah, I'm excited to go back to to the motion pictures version of Gundam. Yeah, there, there's something to the animation style and the colors. and Yeah. You, you miss out on, on it by reading it. It'd be cool if this had been adapted into its own, like, OVA. Yeah, well, I feel like there's probably still time to do, you know, to do something like that. It's still going, you know. Any last uh, thoughts? I think I think we're about ready to wrap up. Yeah. Um, uh, the, I'm glad we read this, though. I It really filled in a, a lot of gaps. I, I, it's really cool to see Gundam as a living document, sort of how... Even the same person will engage with the with the same ideas in different ways. Yeah, depending, depending on whether or not it's in a group context with Bandai or yeah, yeah, successful work. I I, I think overall, mm. if, if, yeah, you know, if readers can get past some of the uh, some of the issues we discussed, I, I, it's it's a net positive for sure. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about the ending. I'm. You, you know, like event wise, <laughs> it was a little bit. Um, as Kai put it, anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, damn, was it satisfying to me? Like the uh huh, it was satisfying though. Yeah, yeah, like the image of I guess it's interesting how Sila became more of a character. Like the ending of her on the beach felt nice because it was weird how how absent she was from Zeta Gundam. So at least here I get to imagine her like I don't know finding finding some kind of closure. Right, that the. I guess anime directors would not give her. Yeah. I wonder, unless she comes back in Zeta, Zeta, who knows? Um, I guess we'll see. But it was weird. Like, they didn't even, they only mentioned it sometimes where Amara would be like, where they talk to Amara, like, you still got a crush on Sailor, right? <laughs> yeah, but she's just not, not present. Yeah. And Amara was like, I got a new blonde girlfriend. Same archetype. See, he's got it, <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree that it was kind of anticlimactic too. Because like the big climax for me was that what we were talking about, like the the tension of whether or not Char and Amuro would be able to like join forces. And then after that happened, you get these scenes of of uh, Giren and his uh, and his tea time, and I'm looking down. This is like 16 pages left. So yeah, this the last um, what would be like the last major action scene is just sort of like taking care of business, like mopping up at the end. Yeah, which it's okay. It was fine. I mean, again, yeah. it, was, it was just satisfying. Like, oh, here he is in his limo, but there's Char in his in his uh mobile suit. Yeah, that felt like uh, yeah, it was an interesting kind of like victory lap ending. <laughs> yeah, which. Oh my god, we were about to end the show without talking about how how Cecilia dies in this version. Just thrown off the suit. <laughs> he lets her have her moment where he where she shoots Giren, and then he just flicks her up, flicks her up into the air. What an end! What a goddamn. End, huh? <laughs> that's yeah. That's quite something. That reminds me of the end of RoboCop. It's been a while since I've seen RoboCop. Where it has that thing where like he can't where RoboCop can't shoot the bad guy. Oh yeah. I recall that now. And then, then it's like you're fired, and then he can shoot him and like what a cool <laughs> like just like oh okay, that's all it took. That's it just needed to happen. I would that's something yeah, I do want to see it, but I would love to have seen it in like in the um in the clunky 70, like late 70s animation. Oh, it'd be absolutely hilarious in that old 70s <laughs> style. <laughs> right, where, yeah, I want to see like the, the hand just sort of like move in like six frames. Whoops. Like without, <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I need like a, a, a rapid, like abrupt cut to the sound of her screaming. <laughs> uh, we can only hope and dream. Man, it's a shame. Different, yeah. In a different world. 
That's a shame. But anyway, yeah. But good book. Yeah. We, we had fun. I'm glad we got to, we got to hit on that before. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, coming attractions, we're gonna be, we're gonna go, yeah, going back into the world of animation. We're doing Zeta Zeta Gundam after, you know, people consider Zeta one a peak for the series. We'll see how, how the series evolves. Apparently this next one's a little um, divisive, but Yeah, we'll see. At least in its beginnings. We'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're probably gonna it's probably gonna be another month before we get Zeta Zeta Part One. And yeah, just be on the lookout. Keep on keeping on. Right. Uh have yeah, this has been Roberto. Um It's been Corbin. Right, have a pleasant evening. Many more to come. That's yeah, that's that's それは別れ歌広い骨も燃え尽きて濡れる肌も土に帰る